Aloha, Penn Nation. What's up, everybody? You're now tuned in to yet another edition of BJPenn.com Radio, the fighter's voice. As always, I'm your host, Jay Kinch, and it's a pleasure to be here yet again for episode 102, and we have a fantastic show lined up. Five great guests, five great conversations that I know you guys are going to enjoy. We're going to kick things off with good friend of the show, coming off of a huge win at UFC 229 over Ovin St. the devastator himself, Dominic Reyes. He's going to return to the show to discuss that win, what's next for him, the importance of getting such a big victory on such a large stage at UFC 229. We'll talk about the drama and the aftermath following the main event and a whole lot more. Always a pleasure to speak with Dom. And as we always do with Reyes, we're going to get Swifty too. Next up, we'll be joined by one of the hottest prospects in the heavyweight division right now, coming off of a huge win on Dana White's Tuesday Night Contender Series, the man they call the Kraken, Juan Adams. Now, Juan's finally set to make his UFC debut on December 15th against Chris De La Roca. However, when we caught up with Juan, it was just a couple days prior to this fight being announced. So while we don't talk about that matchup specifically, it was a great conversation. And I can tell you now, This kid is oozing with confidence, to say the least. Next up after Juan Adams, we'll be joined by interim one championship bantamweight title holder, set to face Bibiano Fernandez on November 9th in Singapore, the silencer Kevin Bellignong. First time having Kevin on the show, incredible talent coming out of Asia, as with the entire promotion at one championship. But this is a big fight for him, we're going to talk about the matchup against Bibiano, We'll preview the fight, discuss what's going to be next, his aspirations as a champion, and a whole lot more. Again, third up, Kevin Bellignong. The next up after Kevin, we're going to be joined by one of the hardest hitting guys, if not the hardest hitting guy, at 170 pounds. They call him the great C.R. Baharazada. And while he hasn't been able to get a matchup signed yet, we're going to talk to him about why he believes he not only belongs in the elite at 170, but why he believes he can beat these guys and become the champion within the next year or so. He's had a string of bad luck that's kept him away from the sport. However, now he's healthy, he's ready to go, and make a big statement in his return to action, hopefully sometime before the end of the year. And then closing out this episode, we're going to be joined by one championship, heavyweight king, UFC veteran, fought all over the world against some of the best guys in the business, First time having this gentleman on the show, and I got to tell you, it was a conversation that I truly enjoyed. Brandon the Truth Vera is going to join us to discuss what's next for him, when he'd like to be back to action. He's got something in the works. Couldn't tell us exactly who it is, but know that he probably will fight before the end of the year. So we're going to catch up with him on all the projects he's been working on outside of fighting over the past couple of years, the importance of him to return to action soon, make a big statement, and show the world why he still is arguably one of the baddest men on the planet. We're also going to talk about the current state of mixed martial arts, why he believes that one championship is playing an instrumental part in bringing back the purity of martial arts, and a whole lot more. Again, first time having the truth on the show, and I really enjoyed the conversation. I hope you guys do as well. So that's the lineup for this episode. BJPenn.com Radio, the fighter's voice. Let's kick things off with the devastator himself, Dominic Reyes. Penn Nation, please welcome back to the show the recently number six ranked light heavyweight in the UFC, who most certainly got swifty at UFC 229, <laughs> the devastator himself, Dominic Reyes. 
Thanks, as always, for taking the time to join us, Dom. How are you doing today, man? Feeling fantastic, man. I got Swifty. You sure <laughs> did. You sure did. So listen, before we get into the details of uh, UFC 229, first off, man, what did you do to celebrate that awesome victory? Oh, we just went out with the, the fam, friends, over at uh, Chateau Nightclub in Vegas. Had a great time. Awesome, awesome. Now, you defeated Ovince Peru with a clean walk-off KO at the end of the third very impressive win. How happy were you with the finish overall? <laughs> Couldn't have gone any better, man. I mean, if you think about it, if I would have finished him in the first, then the same questions would still be around, right? Like, oh, we don't know what he could do. We don't know about his takedown defense. We don't know about his gas tank. But since I got to go three, I got to see what it feels like and then also, you know, answer a bunch of questions as well at the same time. Right, I think, you that's got, what made me, I think that's what got me at number six. Right, you got you got to silence the doubters, and you and you put the exclamation point on the end of the fight. Yep. Awesome, man. The walk-off was reminiscent of one of Mark Hunt's KOs. Uh, what made you so confident that OSP was done there? Man, you know when you hit the ball just right, or you tackle someone just right, and it doesn't feel like anything, just like, I hit the sweet spot. I knew it was, and then I saw his body, the way he was falling, and I knew it was over. And plus, I also knew how much time it was on the clock. You know, I knew it was less than 10 seconds, so any follow-up shots would just be unnecessary. Right, so so you, you, know that, you knew that he had no time to recover at that point. Yeah, I knew it was over. Regardless, I knew it was over. Right. Now, you could have easily coasted to a decision, but yet you went for the finish at the end of the fight. Was that just the uh, opening presenting itself, or did you really want to put the stamp on things there? I did want to finish the fight, but uh, it's, it was a little bit of both. So I wanted to finish the fight, and the opening presented itself, so I took it. Right, you got to strike while the iron's hot, man. Exactly. Now, you pushed the, pu- pushed the pace from the opening bell. You held the center of the cage throughout the fight. I know we discussed the matchup before, uh, before UFC 229, but did you expect to make it look so easy? Yes and no. <laughs> yes, because I've trained hard, you know, and it's train hard, fight easy, you know. But uh, no, because, I mean, I knew I was good, but now I know I'm that good. You know what I mean? Right. So not only was it, uh, is it a, a like, case, You don't know what, like, you don't really know exactly how you're going to come out and what you got exactly until you do it. Right, right. I could, I could practice and do all this training all day long, but that's still not live. You know what I mean? Absolutely. And you, and you don't know exactly how how it's going to go down when the bullets are flying. So, and, at the end of the day, it's, it sounds to me like you obviously you were very confident of your skills going in, but but this was a this was a huge way for you to build that confidence and know that you certainly belong here for sure. Oh, no, yeah. no, no questions about it. No questions now. Awesome. Now, now we're getting an even more dangerous, Dom, because, man, I got those hands. <laughs> <laughs> now, we talked about the need for you to make, uh, make a big statement on such a big stage, and, and of course you did just that. What was the reaction from the UFC and the fans so far? Oh, it's been tremendous, man. Tremendous amount of support. The fans are, are, are giving me a lot of love. I real recognize real. Uh, I have the style that people want to see. 
know, I fight with heart and, and determination. And I'm very, very clean, I think is my thing, is I'm so clean with what I do. I'm not a sloppy mess out there just throwing haymakers and acting wild. I'm very intelligent in my approach, and people see that, and they understand it, and uh, they respect it. So it's cool. It's been a lot of good, positive feedback from them and the UFC. Right, right. I, I I know what you're saying, man. You've got the you've got the technical skills, but you've got that killer instinct as well. It's a very deadly combination. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Awesome. Man. And I'm having fun. <laughs> and that's you the know, most important I'm part, a lot right? Of fun. You know what I mean? That's the most important thing. For sure, man. For sure. Now uh, you jumped the rankings uh, with that finish. You knocked a bunch of guys down the ladder. What's next for you, man? It's got to be a top five opponent now, right? It's got to be. That's, that's the only way we're going up here. So, either top five, I'm number six. That, that doesn't make sense to go to number seven. So, we're going to we're gonna see what it what it is. I'm, I'm hoping for Jan, but we'll see. Yeah, we'll you see what happens. I know you had mentioned him, uh, but, you know, give us your thoughts on, on the matchups that await you in the top five. Aside from from uh, Jan, who, who do you think would complement your style the most? I think I'm a, I'll, it, everyone, to be honest with you, I think it would be a good fight against anyone. Uh, the top five is a, is a murderer's row and a lot of, well, a lot of experience, a lot of technical ability. You know, I, I'd like to test myself against uh, pretty much any one of those guys. Right, right. But, uh, yeah. Just, just sign the contract. Because at this point, it's just testing now. Now it's like, I'm trying to find that man, you know, I'm, it's all a test. I want to see what the, the next guy is going to bring. You know what I mean? Like, I want to see the faster guy, the, the better grappler. You know, I'm trying to push my limits on this thing. So I could absolutely, without a doubt, in my mind, know I'm the best. Right. It seems like we're at a point now where, like you said earlier, you, you've silenced a lot of the doubters, but you still have yet to, to face some adversity in there. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Now, but I mean, if we do it right, that that'll never come. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if I if I train hard enough and, and everything, I'll, I'll I'll be faster, I'll be sharper, I'll be quicker. I mean, I know there's going to be the day when that adversity comes, and I look forward to it. But the way we're going, it, it, it's a possibility it couldn't come. You know what I mean? Right. Well, that's what I was just going to say. I mean, at the end of the day, sure, you'd like to like to find that adversity and test yourself. But if it doesn't come, that's just as good, right? Yeah, for sure. A win's a win. <laughs> Definitely. But I, I do want to be tested, though. I do. I want to I wanna see, you know, what's up. Now, I know, we dis- I know we discussed this before, you know, about not climbing the ranks too quickly. Uh, but you've also made it clear that, that you're ready for the best, and you know you're ready for the best right now. Does it feel like you, you might be going from, you know, only n- known by the hardcore fans to, like, overnight celebrity in the sport that's that's how it feels man it really is after that fight i mean everything's changed in a big way you know in a positive way but it's, it's all been great man it's like it's like finally getting that respect from a lot of different people instead of just the hardcore fans or you know people who more people know about me than the light heavyweight division right now i think Right. Well, I know. I know. I've maintained it. A lot of others have maintained it. That that most people that that know anything about this sport truly think that you are the future of the division. But it must be nice for for the others, the other people, to be finally Absolutely. recognizing that. Yes, because 
they recognize it. Those are numbers, and that turns into mo- that's monetary now. Now we could gauge what's really going on. Right. You know what I mean? Because in the end of the day, that's what it's all about. You know, I'm not fighting for free. Yeah, right. It's prize fighting, man. You got to get that payday. Absolutely. Now, speaking of which, the last time we spoke, you were very excited to be on this huge card. You wanted to you wanted to enjoy the rest of the fights, uh, and like I said earlier, make that statement on this big stage. Before we discuss the shit show at the end, uh, what did you think of Pettis, <laughs> what did you think of Pettis versus Ferguson? Uh, it was freaking awesome, dude. Probably like the coolest, weirdest, funkiest fight I've ever seen in my life. Like that's a good they way to put it. They were throwing everything, like weird spins. Like they were both spinning at the same time. It was it was they were they were bleeding, laughing, smiling. It was it was awesome, man. That, that's what fighting is, right there. I know. I, I was with uh, I was with a bunch of my buddies, and we were we were flipping out at, at so much of the action there. And then you know, Pe- uh, Pettis drops Ferguson. Ferguson immediately goes for an Imanari roll. I'm like, what the hell's going on here? This is nuts. I don't think that was an Imanari roll. I think that was just a straight up combat roll. <laughs> <laughs> just combat roll. You're, you're hurt. Combat roll. True. 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 Good point. <laughs> but yeah, no. I'm, I'm gonna call that. I'm gonna call that the champ roll. The that's, champ that's the champ life for Tony. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's awesome, man. But yeah, no, at the end of the day, great fight. And like you said, it had oh, a yeah. little bit of everything. Fantastic. And, you know, just Pettis at the end of that one round, you know, putting his tongue out up at the camera. That that, that delivered for sure. It all delivered. It was, they, 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 they earned their paychecks for sure. For sure. You know, and, and going right. back to your own fight. Because they entertained. Absolutely, absolutely. And, you know, going back to your own fight, it's kind of funny that we're talking about this now because, uh, you know, I was watching with a bunch of buddies and, and a couple of them, are, I would say, are, you know, kind of hardcore, not not the most hardcore fans that are out there. And uh, when, when you and OSP went out, I'm like, hey, guys, this kid's going to take him. You watch. No, no. Yeah, and they're like, oh, come on, come on. I've never even heard of this guy. I'm like, I'm, trust me, dude. Trust me, he's going to get him. No he's going to get him. Bro. Yep. You see that guy? <laughs> and then when you won, I was like, "Fuck yeah! All right, awesome." <laughs> That's what I'm talking about. I'm like the un- I'm like the underdog, the favorite underdog, but I'm not ever an underdog. <laughs> right, right, right. It's so weird. Well, it's like you're finally building that momentum, man. And like I said, yeah. in, in no time you'll be a household name and and have that strap. So I have no doubt, That's my friend. Plan. That's the plan, my friend. Hell yeah. Now, uh, you and I had talked about Connor having a better chance than, than people expected. However, he got mauled and, and choked out there. What was your reaction to Khabib's performance? Uh, I felt like it was it was good. It was very good. Um, I felt like Connor was letting his hubris take over by not respecting you know, Khabib's hands at all, just keeping his hands directly at his side. You know, he got dropped, and he earned it. Yep. Like, that was his fault, 100%. Um, props to Khabib, you know, for doing his thing. Not being afraid to strike with him, too, which was cool. Cool to see. Um, but at the end of the day, he's Khabib, and he did what he had to do. Took him down, controlled it, you know, sucked his life out of him, and then threatened to break his jaw. Right. Right. I, th- I don't think people realize that, that, that it you know, sure, there was a choke going on there, but it was the breaking of the jaw that that was coming. Yeah. Yeah, that's why he tapped. You don't tap. That kind of choke isn't choking you. You you feel your jaw breaking. <laughs> right, right. And, and what do you want to do? <laughs> exactly, exactly. Um, and I'll tell you, man. Like you said, I mean, just just Khabib dropping him. That said a lot about uh, where Khabib was in that fight, and 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 Connor not respecting that. 
Uh, How about when Khabib was talking to him? That was a little bit terrifying. I know, right? I know. Let's, say, let's talk. Let's talk now. Like, right. Oh, yeah, go. <laughs> right, right. I know. I mean, uh, you and I had talked before the fight about Connor's chances, but man, Khabib certainly shut me up. That's for sure. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think if I was expecting Connor to respect him more, I think that's why my prediction was the way it was. Right. I was expecting, you know, serious Connor that really wants it, not Connor that has everything. Yeah. Very true. Very true. And then I know his coaches yeah. have talked about ring rust or whatever, but I think at the end of the day, it, it definitely came down to a respective skills, and, and it just wasn't there. He's like, I fought Floyd. My hands are way better. His hands are terrible, blah, blah, blah. And then Khabib's own camp was saying, his hands are too good. Like, we're not even going to try to catch up. Right. So, like, that'll make, I guess that'll make Conor McGregor not hold his hands up and not, you know, do what he's supposed to be doing out there. Oh, you're absolutely correct. Now, now with the nonsense at the end of the fight, I saw that you had tweeted about it being, you know, sad and disgusting display. A lot of people yes. felt like it sent the sport back 20 years. It was covered on every media outlet worldwide. Even my own local talk radio did a big segment on Monday. Give us your thoughts on that whole situation and why it's so upsetting to see that kind of stuff in 2018. Yeah, man, it's not. Come on, man. What's going on here? We're professionals. I thought we were professionals. We're getting paid real money here. Like, what are you guys doing? Like, and he won. <laughs> he won. <laughs> like, how are you going to win and then just completely be the worst sportsman ever? <laughs> and then be mad when people are saying you're a shitty sportsman. <laughs> like, what? Like, I don't know, man. I, under like, I understand being upset about shit or whatever, but you handled it. You handle it like a man, straight up. Right, you went out there and you did your business. You got the win. You got the biggest payday of your life, and then you kind of threw that all all away at the end of the fight. That's for sure. Yeah. Now, what what should the punishment be for these guys? I know I know they're holding on to Khabib's pay, his fight purse, but I mean, at the end of the day, from like the UFC's point of view, what do you think should be done about that? There has to be some sort of sanction, man. You know, they're. they're you can't just do that. <laughs> I like, agree. A lower level guy for sure would be fired, like cut, straight cut. Like, I, I don't know. I'm not in the in the fucking offices or nothing like that. But, dude, you can't get away. You can't be letting guys get away with that, man. Like, just free. I mean, I know the commission's holding his money or whatever, but that's the commission. That's not the UFC. Right. There's got to be something, some sort of something. I mean, shit. <laughs> and you're absolutely correct. I mean, we've we've heard and, and talked about, and, and it's been a big deal for quite some time now, the favoritism that gets played over to guys that, that bring in huge paydays. But you really got to draw a line at some point because at the end of the day, you're just showing that kind of behavior is acceptable once you reach a certain point in the sport. And then who's to say, you know, maybe next time, Somebody else does it. Maybe they have weapons on them or something. You know, I don't know what's going on. Right, right. Shit. Could I'm only... not trying to be in a fight and fucking literally get stabbed in the back after the fight. You know what I'm saying? Right, right. It could only Come escalate on, and get worse from here. Yeah. Yeah. Like, that's how it goes. Right. Let it go once, and then it just gets worse and worse. Real quick, uh, sp speaking of, uh, you know, we're talking about paydays, fight purses here. Uh, 
Am I mistaken? Did did you finally snag a bonus? I didn't get a bonus, dude. No bonus. Oh my god! Come on, man. Dude, I know. Unbelievable. I'm ending up on these cards, man, and everybody wants to knock each other out. So. Oh man. Well, I'll tell you what. Dude, hopefully, hopefully... and they didn't call it a knockout, so I couldn't. Like, I don't know. I felt like that was definitely one of the performances of the night. Like. Without a doubt. I don't know, that was. That was a performance I put on there. Like, I, I made a, a real veteran of this game look like a, not a real veteran of the game. <laughs> right. I and made him look like a regular guy, almost. Yeah, and, and, and it's tough, too, because, you know, the, the point you're making is, you know, fight of the night, you got to give it to, to Ferguson and Pettis. Absolutely. Derek Lewis with the comeback there, that, that was incredible. I think he, him more for his... Uh, his mic skills. I, I, you know, hey, you earned it. <laughs> his mic skills were on point. Like, okay. Would you believe like that? His he... performance was shitty. It was a shitty performance, but he came out and knocked him out at the end, which is awesome. Right. You know, it was awesome. But it was shitty overall. But then his mic skills killed it. So right. I think that's what that was all about. I'll tell you what, man. He went from... I want to say like a hundred thousand followers on, on Twitter to overnight. He had over a million just from that. My balls was hot thing. <laughs> like I, I, have, That's what I'm saying. I have a buddy, <laughs> like, I have a what? buddy, I have a buddy who only watches like pro wrestling and, and he only tunes in for the really big fight cards. And he started tweeting me. Oh my God, this guy's my new favorite fighter. I'm like, Oh Jesus. All, all you got to do is go out there and say some funny shit these days. Yeah, pretty much man. We, we live in the, the meme generation. Right. The gifts, the gifts and the memes. So if you could like come up with a catchy something, then right. all of a sudden everybody's like all over it. It's crazy. It's because if you can make it to a meme or a gif, then you're golden. Right. That's it. Absolutely That's true, man. Formula. So I need to get on my meme and gif game. <laughs> you got to get Swifty, bro. I was actually hoping for I gotta that. I got to get Swifty out here, bro. I, I, I was hoping. Swifty. I was saying to myself, oh, come on, make a Rick and Morty reference. Make a Rick and Morty oh, reference. Oh, man, I should have, but I didn't. <laughs> hey, there's always next time, brother. Yeah, there's always next time, man. I, for sure, I'm going to have another fight in the UFC, so. Right. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, listen. At least we know that much. Uh, of course, of course. I, listen, I, I know you're pressed on time here. Getting back to your own career. Uh, when do we see you fight again? I know you're healthy and ready to go, right? Um, I'm semi-healthy. No, no major injuries, but I'm still swollen uh, on my legs. Okay. Fight. So uh, it's still another week of recovery, um, and then I'll be back next week. Uh, but yeah, uh, either I don't know, man. I wouldn't mind being an alternate on that Jones Gustafson card. That'd be cool. That would be perfect. Um, yeah, I feel like that'd be good. Or uh, next year, you know, March, around March next year. All right. Speaking of which, my, man, bir- my birthday's in December, so I don't want to like, you know. Right, you got to enjoy that, man. Birthday. Especially yeah. after the year you've had, right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I've had a great year. I, I've jumped to the top ten this year. I mean, I'm doing things I didn't think I could do, you know, and it's really cool, and I want to enjoy it a little bit. Speaking of uh, of of uh, Jones and and the Gus rematch, who do you have in that one? I have to go with Gus. He's been more active. He's had less turmoil in his life. Um, 
he's not worried about fighting clean for the first time in years. Right. So I have to go with Gus on this one. Okay. I know Jones is Jones. I get it, you know, but there's a lot of factors here. Very true, and I and I could say that that uh, in my own heart of hearts, I I truly would like Gustafson to win as well. So I'll, I'll be I'll yeah. be pulling for him too. But uh, if you could choose between either one of those guys to fight for the strap, who would it be? Uh, even though I like Gus and I think he's gonna win, it would be Jones. Right, the bigger Why? fight for you because it's Jones. <laughs> right, right. Bro, you beat Jones. Holy shit. I know that that'd be that'd be the perfect way to 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 cap off the run towards the title, right? Right. I mean, Dean Jones. That that he's considered the greatest light heavyweight of all time, with an asterisk, of course. Of course. A big old but fat still. one. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> but still, in a lot of people's minds, he's still the one. So yeah. it's my intention to uh, be the one. You know, the new one. So. I'll, t- I'll tell you what, man, the, the timeline of you fighting for the title in 2019 is, is more and more likely as the days pass. And, um, I mean, realistically, you think you'd be the champ before the middle of next year? I mean, the way things are going, there's nothing's out of the picture. <laughs> right. Nothing's out of the scope of possibility at this point. Um, anything's possible. My, my, I, yeah, I mean, I could be champ by the end of the year. If if one of them doesn't make weight and they want to keep me as alternate, right. so shit. <laughs> now, are you are you in your management? Are you guys gonna push for that? You're gonna you're gonna put your name in the hat for that one for sure. I'll throw I'll throw my name in the hat for sure. Um, but I'm not gonna just do it on short notice. You know, right? It has to be something that I could. I've never gone five rounds. I mean, I've had five round fights, but I've never gone five rounds. So right, that's something I would really need to prepare for myself. I, I haven't had a main event or anything like that yet. So, yeah, definitely would be something I would need to know in advance. Yeah, without a doubt. And, you know, it would probably be the, the UFC's best interest to build you up a bit, get you in that main event, and, and uh, you know, do do those make those kind of moves before they really promote you in a title fight. But I think, I think you're right. I'd agree with you there. But uh, we'll see. <laughs> right? It sounds like you're ready to go now, though, as, as far as the title shot goes. I mean, I... After you fight and after you win, you feel like you're on top of the world. So I'm still I'm still sitting up there, still uh, still haven't really fully decompressed from the fight. So right, it's, it's, it's gonna take a little while for a high like that to fade away, man. Yeah, I think so. All right, Dom. Listen, it's been a pleasure as always, man. In conclusion, my man, tell all of the fans out there what they can expect from you going forward, why they need to join the team now, and why you're only getting started, man. Yeah, man. Uh, join the Devastator Army, man. I mean, I'm only getting better every day. I work hard every day. I'm still relatively young in the sport. Um, and, yeah, you know what you're going to get when you see me fight. You're going to see, clean, like, clean, swift strikes. So, you know, I fight with relentless activity. And, uh, yeah, I'm there to finish. So, if you enjoy good fighting, watch me fight, man. And you're not going to be disappointed when your friends are rooting against me. <laughs> and uh, before we let you go, any shout-outs or sponsor plugs, bro? Yeah, shout out um, my social media, uh, Dom Reyes24 on Insta. Follow me on Insta, man. That's where, where I do all my movements. Um, I got my sponsors, uh, World Gym, The Gym, um, Nutrition Edge High Desert, Stein Chiropractic, uh, M2G, Married to the Game, 
Who else? Who else we got? Uh, Chateau Nightclub, uh, 7th Street Pawn Shop, hooking it up. And, uh, yeah, shout out to my family, my friends, and all you guys for tuning in. Awesome. Thanks again, brother. We'll chat again soon once something gets announced. Uh, until then, enjoy the payoff from your hard work. Keep getting swifty no there, and, and Cobra Kai never dies, man. No doubt. Cobra Kai never die. All right, brother. All right, peace. Talk to you soon, man. Later. As you heard us discuss there, the sky is the limit for Dominic Reyes. In the words of Chris Weidman, join the team now. Truly an awesome performance against Ovin St. Pru at UFC 229. He's now ranked number six, and like we talked about, a top five guy is in his future. And I think the entire division is on notice now. But let's keep it rolling like we always do. Coming up next, BJPenn.com Radio, the fighter's voice. UFC heavyweight prospect, the man they call the Kraken, Juan Adams. All right, Penn Nation, please welcome to the show undefeated heavyweight prospect and one of the most promising guys to come out of Dana White's Tuesday Night Contender Series, the man they call the Kraken, Juan Adams. Thanks for joining us today, Juan. What's the good word, man? Uh, man, everything's going good. Training's going great. Um Looking forward to everything uh, the future has to offer for me. Just signed a great sponsorship, so everything's going well. Awesome, man. Awesome. Before we jump into things, where are you calling us from today? Are you down in Texas? Yeah, I'm in Houston right now. Um, I'm actually at a little little bake shop eating right now. Um, got a little special, trying to keep the weight down, you know? <laughs> well, that's one of the beauties of being a heavyweight, right? You get to grub out a little bit more than the rest of the guys. Ah, not really. I walk around at about 295, so I got to be able to, you know, accept short notice fights at all times. We're trying to get that down to about 285, walk around weight, but it's been a struggle. <laughs> <laughs> so interesting. So is, is is that something that you uh, you plan to maybe look at the, the dietary needs going forward to try to keep that weight down, like you said, to be able to jump on those short notice fights? Yeah, yeah, we're definitely, uh, we definitely do want to do that. So ideally, you know, two weeks out, as long as I'm within about 20 pounds, two weeks out, the water cut should take care of that. Um, you know, I usually drop 17 in, in pure water, um, you know, the last week of a fight. So, right. yeah, as long as we keep it down within, you know, within striking distance of that, 285 is that, is what my trainer wants me at, ideally, so... I'm working on that. <laughs> well, it sounds to me, man, I, I give you a lot of props for that. For for such a young guy that's, you know, just getting into the, into the big show now, you've already got your eyes set on the future, and you're looking to uh, to make those moves that uh, a lot of guys wouldn't be looking at right now. Yeah, exactly, man. Uh, you know, like I like I said before, I want to fight very actively. You know, I, I look to – I want to fight four times a year. My manager is like, you'll probably – you might get three, so um, – but I figure, you know, fortune favors the bold, so I'm just going to keep going for it. That is the truth, man. That is the truth. So you're coming off an impressive win back in July against Sean Teed. Uh, since then, anybody who pays close attention to the sport has kept their eyes on you. What was that experience like for you, and how happy were you with that performance on Dana White's Tuesday Night Contender Series? You know, it was it was a one-of-a-kind experience. Uh, very, very rarely do you get a high-profile fight with that few people and that unique of an environment there. And, you know, to fight in a building that a lot of great fighters have come out of the Ultimate Fighter building, 
uh, the Ultimate Fighter gym. That was that was huge for me. So that was definitely a unique experience. It was kind of crazy the social media whirlwind that uh, that happened right. afterwards. You know, I right. went from having maybe a hundred people watching my stuff closely each day to closer to a thousand people viewing my my Instagram very closely, my stories and everything. So it's it's been a whirlwind, but uh, I appreciate it. It's been great for me, um, and I uh, definitely definitely enjoyed the experience. Right. And as you said, it's pretty cool that it is such an intimate setting where, you know, like you said, high profile fight, very few spectators. So it's like you're in the limelight, you're in that spotlight, but at the same time, you're kind of not. So it's a very interesting thing that that's going on there. Yeah, definitely. And, um, you know, it was a lot of fun for me. Uh, I wasn't really super stressed out or anything going into that fight. Um, you know, I'm very happy with the performance. Obviously, it got me a UFC contract, so right. can't complain too much. Yeah. <laughs> can't beat that, man. Can't beat that. Now, are there uh, any ideas as to when you might make that UFC debut? I actually, yeah, I have signed a contract. Um, we're waiting on an opponent, the opponent to sign it. But uh, till then, I got to keep it pretty hush hush. But we're, um, you know, I've signed a contract, and it will be happening very soon. So. <laughs> Awesome, awesome. Now, I saw you put on Twitter, uh, you put out a poll to see who the fans wanted you to make your debut against. What were the results, and and, uh, might this uh, contract have to do with anything uh, regarding that poll? Uh, I can't say if it has anything to do regarding the poll, but the results results of uh, the poll were... It was actually pretty split. Uh, I think Chris DeLaRocha won the poll by about, uh, by like, 6% 6% of the voting, uh, and then, you know, then second was uh, Junior Albini, and then third was, I got a lot of really weird uh, weird requests in there for number three. Like, one guy was saying I should fight Walt Harris, another guy was saying um, Justin Willis or something like that, and uh, I think the other was, one guy said I should fight Junior Dos Santos, and I'm like, you guys can't have me fight the top 10 guy. <laughs> Well, that's a good thing, man. That's a good thing. But at the same time, like you're saying, you also have to be realistic about it. Uh, if it was up to you, though, I mean, I know there's something in the works right now, so you already have your eyes set on somebody. But if it was up to you, who would be the ideal opponent for you to face in your debut? Uh, man, uh, I think the the guy that I would would have loved to fight for uh, my debut fight was uh, would, would be Chase Sherman. You know, one, because he's, he's kind of got a name. He's not very good, and uh, <laughs> and uh, it would have been a pretty, you know, he's he's decently rounded, uh, has horrible cardio, but it would have been a, a really fun fight for me. Uh, it would have been a great exchange of, um, you know, a verbal exchange would have been fun. The Twitter back and forth would have been a lot of fun, and it definitely would have given the fans something they've been lacking for a while. So I think that would have been an, an ideal first match for me. But, you know, I can't control what happens, so I just, I just sign whatever contract they give me and stay ready to go. Absolutely, absolutely. But, like you said, man, Chase Sherman, he's got a, got a pretty big following, very active on social media. People seem to, to like him, and uh, 
very fun with the media side of things. I agree with you as well. Um, but you know, you're a massive dude, man. You carry a lot of power like most heavyweights do, but at just 26 years of age, you're already a force to be reckoned with. In my opinion, what, what can you bring to the division to spice things up in your opinion? Uh, I mean, obviously the heavyweight division is lacking a lot of things right now. We don't really have a whole lot of star power, um, apart from myself, you know, our, our top guys aren't super entertaining and, uh, obviously Derek Lewis adds, adds an entertainment aspect, but I think I'm a little bit more, uh, aesthetically pleasing to look at than, uh, most of the <laughs> other heavyweights in the division. So there's that aspect. Uh, I definitely connect with fans a lot better than, uh, most of the other heavyweights in, in, in the UFC. And just in, in terms of an athletic side of it, I, I mean, I'm a type of athlete the UFC has never seen before in this division, and I don't think anyone can match my pace, my power, or my combination of, uh, of size, speed, and, and strength. So it's definitely something new. Uh, I've got a good look to me. You know, I'm, I'm great. I'm, I'm very marketable. You know, a lot of the guys in the, in the division or in the UFC – you know, aren't aren't the there's this kind of stigma for fighters not being the most intelligent group of people out there. But right. you know, I've I have a degree in computer science. I minored in exercise science. You know, I've, I've uh, before this I was a loan coordinator at a bank. So you know, I've, I've got a different, definitely a unique experience, a unique outlook on things, and I have an ability to market myself and the company much better than most other people in the division. Well, I got to tell you, man, it sounds like you've got a unique, uh, a unique combination of things that, that that you can bring to the table, like you're talking about here. But it also sounds to me, for a guy that's just getting into the UFC, 26 years of age, you've got this all figured out already. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, no one ever really has everything all figured out, but uh, I do. You know, I take criticism pretty well, and uh, I like to go from there and learn from it, and learn from each fight, and grow and progress, and really do put myself in a good position because the better I do and the better the UFC does, the better everyone does. And, uh, it makes money for all of us long term. So that's definitely the end game for me. And ultimately, you know, there's, there's gotta be a life after fighting. So that's what I'm trying to set myself up for right now. Of course, man, I'll tell you, you've just speaking with you right now, you have got a veterans mindset already. I think you're going to be a, not only a huge asset to the company, but, it's going to be very beneficial for you in your career long-term as well. Right. Tremendous, tremendous. Now, uh, you had said that you want to be the Donald Cerrone of the heavyweight division. Uh, that would certainly be a sight to behold, man. Uh, can you elaborate on what you mean there? Do you mean in regards to activity, the stuff like you're talking yeah. about with marketability? Or what are yeah, you talking about Yeah, I mean uh, in terms of activity and uh, in that aspect, you know, I, I want to be very active. I want to fight four times a year, like I said. Um that, that's what I want to do uh, when I do eventually have the belt. You know, I want to defend it twice a year at a minimum. You know, I, I it's it's not a, a fact of, you know, if I have the ability. I know I have the ability. I just need the opportunity. And, you know, once I have that first, once I have my debut, I think the world will finally see that. And, you know, you'll see a huge jump in, in activity from me. One, there'll be an increase in demand for me. And uh, I'm happy to supply that. Right. Now, obviously, you feel like heavyweights aren't active enough these days, but it's not always easy to fight frequently when you're going out there to compete against monsters, right? Right. 
Uh, the thing is, you know, I'm more of a monster than anyone in the division. Uh, it, it's like no one, no one's as big as I am, and anyone that's close to the same size as me is nowhere near the athletic, um, has anywhere near the athletic ability that I do. And, um, you know, I, I believe Dana White saw that. For and it, it shows, you know, my accomplishments show that I'm I'm the youngest American UFC heavyweight. I have the fewest fights of any male competitor in the UFC. So there's clearly something there. They've seen something. I know it. My coaches know it. Um, it's just a matter of time before the whole world knows it. Right. Right. You know, you started your amateur career in 2016, and in just two short years, you're already on the big stage. What has the journey been like for you so far? Uh, you know, it's been a very intense journey. Uh, I don't believe anyone trains harder than I do. Um, my training schedule is super intense. I train six days a week. The one day that's uh, kind of an active recovery day for me, I still go and I do technique in the morning. I do a three-mile run afterwards. And um, then I walk about two miles uh, for the day. And I just kind of maintain act, uh, maintain a high activity level. Right. Uh, lots of active recovery and stretching. So we definitely take a very scientific approach to my training. And that's what's made this journey able to go as quickly as it has. Um, like, uh, I don't tell a lot of people this, but, you know, in each of my fights, I've had some type of injury, and I've still been just on a different level than anyone I've gone against. Well, I'll tell you what, man. Of all the fighters I- I've I've spoke to over the years uh, doing this, it seems like almost every athlete, every time they step in a competition, there's some kind of injury, right? Right. And whether or not it's talked about, that's a different story, but... Uh, I don't think anybody really competes at 100% these days. And, and if you do, it's a blessing to do so. But I always ask uh, every up-and-coming guy th- this question. You see the UFC push talent, new talent, up in the ranks a little bit too quickly a lot of the time. Uh, is that something that you're considering? Would you rather build yourself up at a reasonable pace, or would you rather be thrown right into the fire? Uh, it doesn't matter. Like I've already said, I think there's three guys – in the division right now that have a legitimate chance at beating me uh, just because they're a little bit more experienced. But, you know, whatever course they choose to take, I've risen to every occasion. And as my record indicates, I don't know how to lose in this sport. So I don't plan on learning anytime soon. <laughs> Good answer, man. So you mentioned three guys that you think uh, would actually be competition for you. Who are those guys? Uh, obviously, there's Curtis Blades. Uh, you know, then, then there's the champion. And um, Alistair Overeem, I feel like, uh, presents a legitimate challenge uh, to me. The the rest of the guys, I mean, everyone, it's heavyweight, so everyone always has a puncher's chance. But, you know, um, I don't think anyone can really keep up with my pace other than that. And if they can't keep up with my pace, they're much too small to handle my power. That's interesting. So you're looking at it from an athletics aspect of you see D.C., Curtis Blades and Alistair Overeem, those are the only guys that could hang with you athletically. Um, well, DC, uh, more of an experience standpoint. Um, right. I don't think he's athletic. and He's also 40 years old. So uh, by the time I'm up in that conversation, I'm pretty sure he'll be retired. <laughs> right, <laughs> um, right. Alistair Overeem, just because he is that high level of a striker, and that, that would be the only area where – I see any deficiency or anyone can really criticize my, my game would be in the striking aspect. And I think he's the best striker in the heavyweight division. So that's, 
that's why I say his name. I don't really feel threatened by him, but I do have to respect that aspect of his game. Of course, of course. Now, you mentioned uh, you've talked about it a lot here, the athleticism, the pace. Obviously, that, that that's something that a lot of heavyweights don't bring to the table. When when you look at the, the, the division, the landscape of the division, obviously it sounds like you know that you'll be able to, to outpace all these guys. But why do you think that, that heavyweights haven't caught on to that yet? I mean, it's that's always been an issue. Guys gassing out in later rounds. Why, why hasn't anybody addressed this yet? Honestly, I think at the end of the day, it boils down to a desire to work. A lot of heavyweights will experience. They're always the best guy in the room. They're the biggest guy in the room. They've always been able to end stuff quickly. Um, and they rely on that a little bit too much. And for me, my... The way I train, I don't think of doing just enough to get by. I want to be better than the next best guy on my worst day. So that it's just a mentality that I that I have. Um, you know, I I hate losing. You know, um, when I wrestled collegiately, I didn't achieve the goals that I wanted through there, and I worked I worked really hard for that. But even that wasn't enough. So there's always going to be times where circumstances don't favor you. And I want to make it to where in this sport, even when those circumstances do arise and I'm not at my best, my best is still better than anyone else. My, my not best is still better than anyone else. So, uh, then that's just the mentality I have about it. Uh, and I don't, I don't train to be the best on my best day. I train to be the best on my worst day. Right. Right. Well, I'll tell you, man, you're definitely oozing with confidence here, but, but just to change gears for a moment, uh, I'm wondering, do you have a temper, man? How did you get the nickname the Kraken? Uh, I don't really have a, a temper. I got the nickname the Kraken. It's uh, there's actually two parts to it. One, I, I really love cracking rum. <laughs> I drink it a lot uh, when I when I'm not training. I drink a lot, and the other one is um, people were were rolling with me and or sparring with me, and they just say it's, it's like being drag to deep waters you know what's gonna happen there's not really a whole lot you can do about it and i'm also so large you know the mythology behind the kraken is a, is a large beast roaming the seas and dragging ships to their death um that's that's what it's like rolling with me you know just this big big insurmountable force uh you know, and that's uh that's what i do i just drag people to deep waters and and take the life from him. Wow. Interesting, man. And and I, I certainly get a kick out of a guy who appreciates the sauce. So yep. uh, <laughs> that's awesome, man. You get it cracking with the cracking, it sounds like. Exactly. <laughs> that's, how, that's how it goes. <laughs> All right. So um, real quick, man, you know, I, I know it's, again, the confidence thing. It sounds like you're probably your, your, your own biggest fan, but who do you admire? Who are some of the athletes that you look up to in this sport? Oh man, uh, that, that's kind of a tough one. Um, you know, I, I definitely always uh, looked up to Anderson Silva when I when I started watching MMA. Uh, I really liked uh, Randy Couture just because he was he was a wrestler, and um, and I'm a wrestler, obviously. But you know, I I, I just appreciate you know talent whenever I see it. So Conor McGregor was. Um, Although I might not be a fan of his antics, I definitely appreciate what he's done to elevate the sport. You know, uh, people like that and uh, Uriah Faber, obviously. You know, he fought 
brought forth all the lower divisions. He right. pioneered those for the sport. He opened the way for women's MMA also. You know, if he hadn't shown that, you know, 145 and under could be exciting, we wouldn't have a women's – we wouldn't have a bantamweight division. Without that, we wouldn't even have a women's bantamweight division. So, uh, Uriah favorite definitely is a huge pioneer of the sport. And then, obviously, you know, there's – there's all the, the old guys, uh, the goats out there, you know, the you George St. Pierre's and, and people like that that have really just put the sport on the map. Forrest Griffin, you know, just just guys like that that have really, really spearheaded the charge to bring MMA into the mainstream. Right. Well, that, that's an interesting point. I've never heard anybody uh, make the uh, make the connection there between Uriah Faber and the women's division. That that's very interesting. Um, but but just just to stay with this for a moment here, you know, in regards to uh, your future, and I'm interested to know, have you put any thought to what you want your legacy as a combat athlete to be all about? You know, what's driving you as a fighter? You know, I really do want to be uh, be remembered as one of the best, but I definitely my legacy. I want to be the guy that was, you know, the kind of in that first wave of a new breed of athletes to enter the UFC. And I want to take this sport from being about, you know, just guys that can fight to athletes that can fight, you know, and bringing in more athletic fighters and just making it more exciting, you know? Right. Now, I know you mentioned uh, McGregor there for a moment, but, and I know you're talking about the, the, the marketability and all those things, but when you look at the era of trash talk that we're in, is that something that you plan to embrace or are you going to try to stay away from that kind of stuff? Uh, you know, if somebody engages with it, uh, engages me in it, I'll do it. Uh, I have a different kind of style of trash talk. I, I don't really like to talk about things that I'm going to do. Uh, I talk about things that I've already done. So, you know, you might see some of it after a fight or um, leading up to it. If a guy, you know, forces my hand, I'll, I'll go down that road. But right. at, at the end of the day, it's, it's about me. The show's about me. I'm the main event. I'm the main attraction. So I don't really care about anyone else um, right so I, I don't even watch film of my opponents because it i would actually feel bad about what i'm gonna do to them if i humanize them too much so <laughs> I, um, <laughs> I just i don't like to think about them it's all about me wow wow i'll tell you man again i can't say it enough you have got a champion's mindset already and I'm certainly looking forward to your debut and all the future has in store for you man you've been more than generous with your time i know we went over a bit here uh, again, you're a very exciting addition to the roster, as I mentioned earlier. In conclusion, man, tell all the fans out there what they can expect when the Kraken finally makes his debut and, uh, you know, throughout your ascension in the UFC towards the gold. Uh, all I can say is going to be uh, everything you'd ever hoped a heavyweight champion would be and more. So I'm, I'm going to change everything you thought you knew about fighting. All right. And the debut will be this year? Yeah, it will be this year. <laughs> Awesome. Awesome. I love it, man. And uh, before we let you go, any shout outs or sponsor plugs? The floor is yours, man. Uh, definitely. So uh, definitely got to plug um, plug my longtime sponsor, Jet Hot. And um, definitely my newest and best sponsor is Rhino Pro Protective Linings. Uh, they're uh, the premier truck bed liner company in America. So, or. North America, continent, world. I'm, I'm not sure. They're, they're the best, though. <laughs> Rhino truck bed liners. And um, then, obviously, my, my strength and conditioning coach and uh, MMA kind of mindset behind a lot of stuff is uh, Ryan Casey Baker, the cheat meal 
and you can find him at thecheatmail.com. And my final one is um, Kinetic Cairo or at Kinetic Sportsmed. So uh, it's Tyler Bowman uh, and his chiropractic group. Uh, they specialize in re- rehab and mobility. So all those guys and uh, FlemingAttorneys.com. Awesome, man. Well, real quick, you got it. You landed a deal with Rhino Liners, huh? That's pretty badass. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was awesome. Uh, they're, they're huge. And, um, you know, I wanted to partner with them. They're really going to take me to the next level. And, uh, you know, built Rhino Tough. <laughs> right. <laughs> awesome, man. Again, listen, greatly appreciate the time, Juan. Hopefully, we can catch up again once this fight finally gets announced for you. It was an absolute pleasure to speak with you today, man. And I look forward to the next time. Thanks, man. Have a good one. You too, buddy. Later. Later. As I said earlier in the show, Juan is certainly oozing with confidence to say the least. But like you guys heard in our conversation, I truly believe he is way ahead of his time as far as looking at his career in its entirety, how he plans to achieve his goals and make some good money along the way. Like I said in the beginning of the show, we did not catch up with Juan before this fight was announced for December 15th against Chris De La Roca. However, you know it is now. Be looking out for that one. This man could be the future of the heavyweight division. So make sure you guys keep a good eye on this kid. He could truly be something special. But let's keep it moving. BJPenn.com Radio, the fighter's voice. Coming up next, one championship interim bantamweight title holder, the silencer, Kevin Bellignong. All right, Penn Nation, please welcome to the show the one interim bantamweight champ and an absolute stud in the world of mixed martial arts, the silencer himself, Kevin Bellignong. Thanks for taking the time to speak with us today, Kevin. How is your morning going on the other side of the world, man? I'm good, I'm good. The morning's good, and uh, I'm very excited to have this call. Yes, we It's an honor to... Yeah, no, we, we, we greatly appreciate it, man. We're only a few weeks away from your next fight, and you look to unify the bantamweight title against Bibiano Fernandez. Uh, before we discuss the matchup, how has your training camp been going so far? Well, the training camp is uh, good. We are preparing for this uh, battle because uh, we know that this, this is going to be a big uh, match, so everything is good in the camp. Very good, very good. You captured the interim title from Martin Nguyen uh, in a hard-fought decision. That was definitely a close fight. How happy were you with your performance in that one? Well, uh, Martin's a great fighter and a tough fighter, and uh, I'm very, very happy with my performance at that time, and uh, it's good that I got the interim belt. Right, and, and, and as I mentioned, that that was a close fight. How confident were you that, that, that you had the decision, that you won the fight uh, at the end of it? Well, uh, I'm very, very confident that uh, I'm going to get the win because uh, the first round till the fifth round, I know that uh, I have uh, dominated him from the first round until the fifth round. So I'm very confident when they announced the... Uh, result so right i expected that uh going to win that fight okay now this is going to be your second attempt at defeating bibiano uh you have yet to lose yeah. a fight since since the last time you guys met 
Uh, safe to say that the, the loss to Bibiano, the first loss, that was a big motivation for you, right? Yes, yes, yes. It's uh, going to be uh, my first fight with him. is uh, not that good. And uh, that match uh, made me... It's like I was uh, more motivated after that fight. What did you take away from the first fight with Bibiano that, that you plan to make adjustments for in the rematch here? Well, my uh, my BJJ at that time is very weak. Uh, so after that fight, I uh, improve. I focus more on my wrestling and uh, grappling techniques. And I think my BJJ is uh, better than compared to last time. Yeah, that, that was going to be my next question. You know, clearly his ground game is deadly. That's what he's uh, most highly regarded for. It sounds to me like, has that been the, the primary focus when preparing for, for uh, this rematch with Bibiano? Yes, yes, yes. Because so we know that uh, his uh, BJJ is very dangerous. So we focus more on uh, our grappling and uh, wrestling uh, defense. Okay. Now, a lot of people look at Bibiano as, as a legend in the sport. And a win over him is truly a big accomplishment. Uh, this fight is very important for your legacy, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Because uh, if I'm going to win over Bibiano, then it's going to be a history. Because he's the, uh, he's the longest uh, reigning bantamweight uh, champion in our division. So uh, it will be a history if I uh, win over him. Now, would a win over Bibiano, would that be just as big of an achievement for you, regardless of the title being on the line? Of course, of course. It's a big achievement for me. Now, speaking of legacy, uh, what, what do you want your legacy to say? What kind of legacy are you trying to build right now, and, and what do you want to leave to the fans? I'm, I'm you know, not suggesting that you're anywhere near done, but, but when that day comes, what do you want your legacy to say to the rest of the world when you finally do decide to uh, to hang them up? Well, uh, the legacy that I want is that uh, I'll, be, I'll, become, I'll become champion and uh, a true martial artist. I think that's a legacy that I'm going to leave just in case uh, I'm to retire or uh, the discipline that I have that that's it right right uh changing gears here for a moment i'm wondering if you can tell us about uh your experience so far with one championship everybody i speak with from the promotion is beyond happy with the company uh from how they're treated to the professionalism of the team to the pay that they receive it truly sounds like the best place for a fighter to be these days i'm sure you'd agree with that yes yes of course well uh I am very happy to sign in one championship and uh, one thing that is uh, very good in one championship is the way they treat the athletes. They treat the athletes uh, very well and uh, we have a good relationship with each other. Right, and, that, and that's incredibly important, right? You have to be able to trust the promotion just as much as they trust you to yeah, go yeah. out there and perform, right? Yes, yes sir. So, what was your reaction to the signing of Eddie Alvarez? That's another huge name joining the organization, and that lends itself to, to that kind of treatment we were just talking about, right? Yeah, of course, uh, I'm very, very excited uh, to 
see Edel Barres uh, fighting in run, and uh, I hope I'm going to fight in the same card with him. Yeah, that would be awesome, man. It would be a huge card, that's for sure. Uh, I was just discussing this with Brain Vera the other day, and he had made a great point that one championship is focused on the purity of martial arts. You know, Asia is the birthplace of martial arts, and in this age of trash talk that the sport seems to be in right now, it's very refreshing for me to see a company getting back to the roots of all of this. I'd imagine that a guy like yourself who comes from a wushu background, you feel the same way, that, that it's important to promote the purity of martial arts, right? Yes, yes, of course. And uh, one championship is uh, really promoting uh, the all this, this uh, different kind of martial arts. Uh, especially they're, they're promoting uh, martial arts uh, to show uh, to show the fans how ma- how is uh, martial arts. Uh, uh, helps their uh, lives, or it's like they're promoting martial arts to show sportsmanship. I think that's it. Right, the, the sportsmanship, and I think what you're getting at there is that it's it's not just the discipline; it's a way of life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, speaking of wushu, uh, you know, for years we've heard that traditional martial arts like wushu aren't effective for MMA. You clearly have been an example to, to why that isn't true. Do you feel like more tr- uh, more traditional styles have a place in this sport? Well, uh, wushu is the, has uh, two kinds. Uh, wushu has the combat uh, side and the other one is the form. So we uh, train the combat uh, side. So And we find, we find, it, find it that uh, wushu is very effective inside the cage so uh, we re- really uh, train uh, Wushu to what call this to show uh, to show other martial artists that uh, we can uh, also compete inside the cage using the discipline Wushu right and I, and I know you're talking about the difference between the combat side of it and doing the forms, but do you still practice forms today? No, no, no. We just focus on the combat side. Okay. And uh, something else I wanted to get to here, um, everybody I've spoke with, again, from one championship, they talk about how much the company gives back to the communities in which that they uh, that they have these shows. And I know that uh, guys like Anlang, Anla Ansong, uh, Angela Lee, Brandon Vera as well, they all enjoy giving back to the communities, like I, Brain of Vera was talking about, all of the um, the uh, the work he's doing in the Philippines to help the community. It, has it been the same situation for you? Yes, of course, of course. Uh, uh, recently, we went uh, in a place here in uh, Baguio City where uh, it was affected by the typhoon uh, Ompong. So we went there to help also. Now, Ung La has reached a level of stardom in Myanmar that's kind of unprecedented. Has it been the same for you? Are are you at that point of stardom? You know, when you walk around the streets uh, at home, are you are are you are you mobbed by fans? Uh, not really. <laughs> not, not yet. Much. Not yet. <laughs> <laughs> oh, hopefully soon, man. Hopefully soon. 
So getting back to November yeah. 9th, um, with a big win to unify these titles, what's next for you? We see that the trend has been going after multiple belts. Uh, is that something you'll be looking to do as well? No, I think I'll focus on my uh, my division. So gonna put, uh, gonna stay on my uh, uh, division. So for me, I I really want to win this uh, match on November nine. So w- win the belt on November 9th and then you're gonna focus on defending that title. Yeah, of course, of course. I'm going to focus on defending my. Uh, title if I'm going to win that uh, match. Now, who do you think should be the next challenger for the Bantamweight title after you defeat Bibiano? Uh, well, I don't know. I don't know. I have <laughs> no idea yet. <laughs> now, since Bibiano's been the longest-running champion uh, in the company, would you be open to giving him an immediate rematch if he requests it? Well, uh, it depends on the result of the fight. <laughs> But uh, I'm really, I'm open, I'm open. I'm open to any match. Right, I mean, if you go out there and dominate him for five rounds, it's kind of hard for him to ask for a rematch, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, yeah, no, I understand where you're coming from there. All right, listen, Kevin, you've been more than generous with your time. I greatly appreciate it. Just a couple more questions here for you. Uh, How do you visualize this fight playing out? Uh, What do you see when you visualize your hand getting raised at the end of the night? Well, uh, first of all, this is this fight is going to be very excited, and uh, I really try my best to win the fight to take that uh, undisputed bantamweight belt. So the fans will expect a very exciting fight between uh, me and uh, Bibiano. Now, do you think that this fight is going to take place mostly standing up? Is it going to go to the ground? Are we going to see a mix of everything here? Well, I think it's going to be mixed, but uh, I'll try my best to put the fight on stand-up because I know that's my advantage. Of course, of course. And uh, for all the fans out there, why do they need to make sure that they download the One Super app and make sure they tune in for your fight? To the fans, they should download this uh, One apps because you can watch uh, every fight for free. And... uh, you can watch this uh, world-class uh, fight. All right, world, world-class fight on November 9th. Uh, again, Kevin, thank you so much for the time. It's been a pleasure to speak with you. I'm looking forward to having you on the show again. Uh, before we let you go, any shout-outs or sponsor plugs you want to get in? The floor is yours, man. Well, I was, I'd like to thank all my sponsors, my, my fans, my supporters, and... Uh, don't forget to watch our uh, fight on November 9th in Singapore, Heart of the Lion. That's Thank right. you very much, sir, and uh, God bless. Uh, re- real quick, where can everybody find you on social media? You can uh, follow me on Facebook at uh, Kevin Bellingon or Instagram at Kevin Bellingon. All right, perfect. Again, man, we're very much looking forward to the fight on November 9th. Best of luck, and we'll catch up again soon. Thank you very much for the time, Kevin. Thank you, sir. Thank you, sir. Have a good day, bud. All right, that one was short and sweet. Hope you guys enjoyed it. Make sure you guys tune in November 9th. One championship going down in Singapore. And seriously, make sure you download the One Super app. It's probably the most badass combat sports app there is today. You can watch all the fights for free. There's a ton of content, and it works flawlessly. 
Now, before we get into this next interview, I have to preface it by saying, first off, great conversation with C.R. Bahadazada. However, in the midst of this conversation towards the end, unfortunately, I had a bit of a, a corrupted file and I could not recover that audio. So I instead used the audio that my microphone captured. It's jacked up levels, doesn't sound the greatest, but it is what it is. Vast majority of the conversation, the audio is clean, but towards the end, you will hear the quality for CR drop significantly. My apologies. Sometimes you run into these kind of issues. So with that being said, BJPen.com radio, the fighter's voice coming up next. CR the Great Baharazada. All right, Penn Nation, please welcome to the show UFC welterweight and middleweight, the heavy-handed slugger fighting out of the famous Greg, uh, Greg Jackson Wink Academy in Albuquerque, New Mexico. CR the Great Baharazada. Thanks for joining us today, CR. How are things down in Albuquerque today, man? Uh, thank you for having me, Jason. Uh... It's great in Albuquerque. The weather is great. The training is great. I can't be more happy than than now. Without a doubt, one of the best gyms in the world, and and it's chock full of talent. Uh, But the the academy has been under some scrutiny as of late. You've been there a while now. What's your take on the current state of the gym? Is is all well from your perspective? Um, Since I've been in Jackson Wink, uh, nothing has changed. The, The positive energy that we have. Uh, the group of guys that we train with, it's its one big family. Everybody is helping each other. And uh, I really love training here because of the altitude also and the coaches, the leadership in the gym is amazing. And not to mention, as I mentioned earlier, it's a room full of killers and iron sharpens iron. That's the old adage, you know, that, that, that has always been said. But uh, so with that in mind, who have you really become close with from Jackson Wink? Who, who, who do you like to train with the most and, and who are you the most friendly with? Uh, we train with, with each other. We train, everybody trains with everybody. You know, um, uh, I can't point at a specific person, but mostly I train, of course, with Walter Wade. I spar with Walter Wade. I um, I train mostly with uh, um, when I spar. I spar uh, with uh, Chris Breezy, uh, Carlos Condit. Um, um, Platinum, Mike Perry. Right. Uh, who else? Uh, yeah, John Johns just came and joined. He, he's doing his camp, so I'll be sparring with John. Uh, a bunch of guys, man. Uh, also, the new generation guys. Uh, I, you know, I'm I'm old school. I'm from the old generation of MMA fighters. Right. And training with these new generation fighters, they keep you sharp, man. They, they're, they're, the game is evolving so quick. And all these new fighters, they're, they're, they're very uh, well-versed. So training with these new fighters is also getting us sharp. So everybody's um, doing. Everybody has its own advantages to train with. The the pro fighters, the ones with a lot of experience, and the young fighters. So uh, it's a great place. Right, and just like you're saying, it's always good to be around those veterans and and some of the legends of the sport to train with them. But at the same time, to be around those up and coming guys, like you said, it keeps you on your toes and makes you understand just how quick this this game is evolving. Absolutely. So, what's the good word with you, man? You've been out of action since April uh, of this year with a KO win in Atlantic City. You snagged a bonus that night as well. What's next for you, man? When would you like to get back in there? Uh, good question. 
since I since I fought in April, uh, I have been. I took a week or two uh, off, and then I right away flew back to Albuquerque and started my camp. I knew that something would pop up, and they were, that I would be able to jump in and take the fight. Unfortunately, it's been seven months now that I've been training, six, seven months, and nothing has uh, come up yet. So, uh, and I'm at a point that it's really frustrating. I've been in camp for six, seven months, but I understand that Shashogi is really busy with, with getting so many fights and all the cancellations, but uh, also I'm, I'm, I'm a little bit um, disappointed in Top 15, in the Top 15. They are, they are, I wouldn't say they are scared, but they are so scared of not losing. Right. Scared of losing. Scared of, they're scared of losing. Nobody's thinking about winning. They are scared of losing. People who are scared of losing, I know for a fact that if I, if I face any one of them, I will, I will smash them because if somebody's scared of losing, they're not gonna, they're not gonna go to the very end to win. They're going to look for a door when, it, when they start to cook. So um, I'm excited for that. But also, the top 15 has to know that my time is coming. This is now. When I, when I got injured after, after the Paulo Thiago fight, I, got, uh, I broke my right hand like seven times, seven, eight times, up until the next fight that I fought Dong Young Kim. Wow. I broke my right hand seven, eight, seven or eight times, all in sparring. But then um, all these... Uh, broken hand uh, set me up that I couldn't train on the ground because I had cast on but I would, I would keep my stand up sharp and do my stand up skills so when I fought Dong Young Kim I was like just my cast was just off I, I didn't have enough wrestling under my belt and that fight was horrible in Japan and after that I fought uh, John Howard and in John Howard fight three weeks out my shoulders were injured uh, labrums were torn, my bicep tendons were cut, rotator cuff was completely destroyed. Uh, but I let the UFC know, Joe, Joe Silva at the time, I said, Joe, I'm, I'm, I'm injured, but I'm going to put a cortisone shot in both. And I'm, you don't have a point for John Howard. I will still fight because I want to show up. I told you guys, I signed a contract that I would fight. I will show up. So when I went in there and fought, after the first 30 seconds, my shoulders were like spaghetti. I couldn't even pick my hands up to block the punches. That's how tired my shoulders were because they were completely destroyed. They were torn. I didn't know this until I went to Holland and took a, took a MR. My doctor was like, your shoulders are completely destroyed. We need to do surgery. So this, he did surgery on both shoulders, and I was out for two and a half years. And those two and a half years were exactly the time when Conor McGregor was coming up. Right. And he introduced the UFC to a whole new target group, to a whole new people, mainstream people. And all those fans, they don't even know me. They haven't seen me fight. They don't know me. They're not backing me up at the time. Right. Because, they're, because these new generation fighters like Conor and uh, Habib and all these guys... Um, they are all from the generation that the MMA blew up when Conor McGregor and Ronda Rousey came to the UFC. UFC got a bunch of new fans. And I was out for two and a half years at the time that UFC was growing enormous, like really fast. And when I came back two and a half years later, I got Brandon Touch. I beat Brandon around, And after that, I got sick. I got really sick. I was out for another year and a half. 
then I then I fought in Holland at middleweight. I knocked out um, my opponent in Holland too. Then I got sick again, and I figured out what it was. It was all overtraining, overtraining to the point that my body I was completely burnt out. Right. I had a burnout, and I couldn't train for a very long time. But now I have everything under control. I'm, I'm listening to my body. I'm periodizing my training, and I'm back. I have three three finishes in my last three fights, and I've I've learned from my mistakes. Now I'm ready for the division. Anyone they can put in front of me, fine. If, if the top 15 guy takes my fight, they know that it's a, it's a high risk, low reward fight. I understand that, but somebody has to. How did they get into the top 15? They right. had to fight somebody ranked, right? When they were not ranked, somebody took their fight and fought them, and they got ranked. They beat them, and they got ranked. And these fighters have to, have to, let, have to let other fighters come to the top 15, at least give them a chance. And not like the door and say, no, he's not. Fight him, just that. I think it's bullshit. No, I, I, I know exactly where you're coming from. Now, listen, you, you touched on a lot of things there. Uh, first off, though, with, with, the, with the time off and, and you know the injuries, I mean, breaking your hand seven or eight times just just in sparring that is that's very detrimental then the ro- rotator cuffs and then as you said the uh you know getting sick now that you've realized that it you know it sounds like you've been training six to seven months now are you a little worried that you know of having to pull it back and try not to be overtraining again so you're at a point where you maybe fall back into that sickness <laughs> see that's the that's the point that i have learned to listen to my body jason and now I'm periodizing my training. I'm not even worried about getting overtrained now or right. getting thrown out because I control my training and I control my 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 food better. Before before this these big injuries and sicknesses, uh, Jason, my mentality was like my thirty percent is enough for any any welter weight was hundred percent. Right. That's that, that was my belief going to the fights. But then in the UFC, you realize that people are fit. It's the survival of the fittest. If you're not fit, it doesn't matter how hard you hit or how uh, well-versed you are or how good your technique is, you're going to get tired. And yep. when you get tired, uh, things start to fall apart. And, and you know, I know you were talking about it before. You're from that old guard where you take the fight, whether you're sick, you're injured, you, you show up and you fight, you sign that contract, you honor that. But it sounds like you, you're kind of realizing, I mean, you see all these guys pulling out of fights and and, uh, you know, making excuses not to take other fights. It seems to me like you're at a point where you're going to try to do what's best for your career now, maybe not go into that fight injured if you don't have to. Exactly, exactly. Uh, that's, what I, that's what I also learned. But, but you, cannot have, you cannot be injury-free if you have a tough camp, right. like if you have a really good camp. There, there will be injuries, but I'm talking uh, injuries that completely shut, shut you down from training. Like when I when my shoulders were hurt, the last three weeks, all I did was jogging and throwing kicks. I didn't even throw a hand. Right. Yeah, that's tough, man. That's tough. Last three weeks, you know. So um, being tough is not is not enough in the UFC. You have to be smart. You have to have your. You have to have had a good camp. Like minor injuries happen all the time, but big injuries has uh, like uh, we have to be careful that no no big injuries happen. So at this point, right now, I'm training for seven months straight. I'm in camp, I'm ready, I'm sharp. I'm just waiting for an opportunity to pop up and take the opportunity. Now, uh, real quick, just to touch on something else that you had said earlier, you know, considering all the time off from competition, you know, starting back in 2013, 
right now I'm sure I'm sure that you feel like you have all this time to make up for, right? I mean, like you said, the sport had this huge uh, expansion in fans, and you missed out on that wave where you could have been riding on that, and you could have uh, you know built yourself up to potentially champion or or contender status by now. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not worried about uh, becoming a champion or whatever. It's just a matter of time, Jason. They will have to take my fight at one point. Right. But uh, I know that I called them out, and they didn't take my fight. It took them very long to take my fight. So it gives me one zero when we fight, whoever it is. Now, top fifteen or top ten, I don't care who I'm, who I will be fighting. I know that I'm one zero already when I go to the fight, because they know that when I come there, I'm coming to fight, and I don't I don't run around. I'm not a businessman. I'm not a salesperson. I'm a fighter. When I get in there, I come to fight. Now, going along with all of this, you've been very active on Twitter, calling out the top 15. Uh, you, you've made some funny statements, which I'll get to in a moment. But first, let's start with Jorge Masvidal. Um, you, 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 and let me preface this by saying Jorge is a good friend of the show. But what, what made you choose him as a target? Uh, I honestly believe that Jorge Masvidal was a warrior. Because he has had uh, street fights and this and that. And I was supposed to fight him at one point. That's right. You guys uh, have unfinished business got, from back in 2016. Exactly. Exactly. And I got sick three weeks out to the fight. Actually, my opponent uh, got canceled, uh, Claudio Silva, and he took the fight. Or he must be all took the fight. He wanted to fight me. I took the fight. I could have said no because he was higher rank at the time. Right. I could have said no to him, but I was happy that he wanted to fight me. I took the fight and I got canceled and he uh, he stayed on the card and he kept winning his fights and now he's ranked and I'm not, but I'm back now and I asked him to take the fight and he's not taking the fight and he had the two, like he's in a two, he has a losing streak, two fight losing streak. I was like, I'm doing you a favor, I'm giving you a good fight, I'm a, I'm a stand-up fighter, I'm a warrior, you're a warrior, I'm giving you a good, a good chance to come back, like two fights, let's, let's put on a show, let's put, let's put on a violent fight for the fans, that's all, that's all the fans want to see, knockouts and blood and violence, let's do it. I think he's the kind of guy that will stand and bang with me. That's why this fight excites me. If Masvidal if, if takes this fight, which I believe he's not gonna, uh, he'll be in trouble. He knows he'll be in trouble. Yeah, my you know, fist, the, the size of my fist is bigger than his head. So <laughs> keep it at that. Well, you know, th- that's something I was going to say. He's a very scrappy guy, and it sounds like you have a lot of respect for his fighting style. But I'd imagine, just like you're saying, a fight between you guys, that would be an incredible show for the fans. Absolutely. Absolutely. Anytime Mosfield is ready, like, I'm ready now. If, he's, if he wants to fight on the 29th, I'm ready to fight him. He better step up. Right. Now, he's been very clear that, that he only wants to fight a ranked opponent. And as we've talked about at length, at length here, uh, I understand your frustrations of guys not being willing to give somebody an opportunity uh, that's not in the rankings to, to, to get get to the rankings. Uh, but at the same time, uh, you have to understand his perspective as well, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I understand his perspective, but I was hoping that he's a warrior and he would take that fight. Right. If I'm in top 15 and there is a warrior that has won everything that's coming up, like decisively finish people and comes up and challenges me, I'll take the fight. Now, I'll take the fight. Now, now, you've also said plenty about the top 15, uh, having four lips and, and, and they bleed for seven days. That was pretty funny. Uh, but it sounds like, man, over this course of the six, seven months, 
you've been campaigning for a top 15 guy and they just haven't given it to you. No, they're not. And uh, I don't know what it is, man. I, um, I'm i ready for the top 15. It's not that... Here's the thing, Jason. People think that I'm one of those guys who just signed with the UFC and who's from this new generation. He just had two, three fights. It's not true. I have, I'm 26 and 4. I'm 24 and 6. Excuse me. I'm 24 and 6. I've fought in Japan. I've fought in Brazil. I've fought in the times that uh, way back in, in Europe. For, for a decade. I'm, I'm, I'm a veteran, man. I'm not one of these new guys that come, just come to the UFC and they ask for big fights after two, three fights. I'm not one of those. You have to look at my record. Right, and, and, and I'm unfortunately... I'm a veteran, man. I deserve to fight a big name. And unfortunately, it's that time away that, that that's really been, you know, playing against you here. I agree, man. I, ever since I saw your debut against uh, Paulo Tiago, I was like, holy shit, this guy's going to be a force to be reckoned with. And I mean, that was back in what, 2012, 2013? Mm-hmm, 20, 2012. Uh, I, I, I agree. I've had bad, a streak of bad uh, injuries and uh, tough luck, but it's fight game. I'm not complaining about uh, the tough times that I've been through. It has, it has shaped me to the person that I am. Right. And I, I embrace it. And my body feels like 24. I'm training four times a day. Which, which 20, 22, 23 years old fighters train four times a day and five days a week? Yeah, that's pretty crazy, not man. Many. <laughs> not many. Not many. My body my body's new because all these years that I have been sick and injured, I didn't train. So there's not enough there's not there's not much miles mileage on my body. My body feels new. I train four times a day. I'm in a great shape. I'm just waiting for somebody to, to give me a chance and fight, man. That that that's interesting though. For for a guy that's worried about overtraining, you're still training four times a day. That sounds pretty crazy, man. I do. I do because I believe I believe, here is the thing, Jason, even though this fight is not happening, like I'm waiting for such a long time, I still, I have faith. I have faith in myself, and I have faith that at the end of the day, everything will be all right. right. If I'm not ready for that next step, that next step is not going to come. Right. But these six months, I've been wrestling every day, Jason. I've been wrestling all these years, but specifically these six months, I've been wrestling every day, five days a week. Every day I've been wrestling. My game is on another level. My striking and my my jujitsu and my wrestling. So I'm ready for that next level, man. Whenever whenever somebody pops up, it's, it's gonna take two, three fights till I get to that um, top five and top three. Right, and it sounds to me like right now for you, you're being very patient. Although that patience is is slowly fading, but at the same time, it's just all about that opportunity. You just need that opportunity to go out there and show everybody that CR is back in business. Exactly, and I'm gonna show that I'm not here to just fuck around, man. I'm here to take people out. Have you seen a boring fight of mine? Especially, even those fights that I was injured, my shoulders were injured. It was not boring. Right. No, absolutely, man. You're 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 a game opponent. That's for sure. I don't have one boring fight in my entire career. Not one. Even when I was injured with John Howard, my shoulders were injured. I still put up a fight, and people loved it. Yeah, I remember I that. That was up. a scrap, I, I man. I fought four three rounds, and it was a fight. Right. Now, aside from Masvidal, I mean, obviously anybody in the top fifteen, but who else makes the most sense for you? What other matchups would you be most excited for? Uh, the Brazilian cowboy, Alex yep. Oliveira. Yeah. I challenged him too. He's even, man. These guys, like like Alex Oliveira, I guarantee you, he's not going to last the first round. 
with me. I love his fighting style. He's wild and he's aggressive, but he's not going to last more than a round with me. He, there is no way. There's no way in hell he lasts more than a round with me. Um, same thing, like, I respect Robbie Lawler a lot. He was a former champ. I really respect him a lot, but I would like to fight him too. I think his style and my style are pretty similar. Only he's southpaw and I'm regular stance. I think that will be a great war. That that will that will be a very interesting fight to fight uh, Robbie Lawler. And even Robbie Lawler, I would love to fight Robbie Lawler too. I mean, any one of these guys takes a fight, I would love to fight him. Right. At this at this point, you just want anybody, right? It sounds like you're really hungry. Top 15, anybody. Right. Now, I know you t- you took a fight at uh, 185 recently. I- is that an option for you right now if you can't get a ranked welterweight? Um, I took 185 because uh, I was out of shape, Jason. <laughs> be <laughs> honest with you. I was out of shape, and UFC was coming to Holland. And I told Sean Shelby, I said, I want to be on the card, but I cannot make 170, so let's do 185. Right. Um, I was recovering from my, from my sickness, and because UFC was coming to Holland, I couldn't uh, let it go. And to be honest with you, like 10,000 people came to watch those fights. And I, it's, not, it's not more. There were like four, four, 5,000 Afghans in that arena. Wow. Like half of it, half of it were my fans from Germany, Belgium, Holland, um, other European countries. They had come to see my fight and they were in the arena. You know, and that, that's another because great point. There was only Stavos Truth and uh, Stavos Truth and me from Holland in that card. Yeah, I was going to say, man, you know, that's a great point that I think you should probably start mentioning uh, in regards to the matchmaking, people not wanting to take the fights against you. You have a big international appeal. You, Like you said, you fought in Sengoku, Brazil. You fought all over the world. You come from one of the best striking gyms in Holland. You have a pretty big following. Exactly. But this is what I'm, this is what I'm saying. These new fans don't know me. So every time I put something on Twitter, they're really like, who's this new guy? You know what I mean? Right, but little, they little do they know stripes. you've been there the whole time. Exactly. They think I should learn my stripes before I can fight one of those guys, but they don't know that I'm above those guys. I'm not officially ranked, but I'm above those guys. Right. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm at least, I see myself as a top three or top five already. And uh, the only thing that, that, that makes them higher ranked than me is because they were more active and I was away. And I went back, three fight winning streak, three finishes, I'm like, let's do it, man. It's time. Yeah, man. I, th- th- that's got to be very frustrating to think that all that time away, how detrimental that has been to your career. And like I said earlier, I, I know you feel like you have a lot of lost time to make up for. But I, I wanted to touch on, uh, you know, you mentioned Holland. I wanted to touch on Golden Glory for a mi- for a moment. Uh, you know, you're one of the guys that comes out of that legendary gym in Holland. All the best kickboxers in the world have been to that gym at some point. Uh, that being said, when you look at the striking skills of everyone at 170, what do you see? Is anybody close to your level? Um, everybody is above my level. You know, uh, nowadays everybody is great striker, great ground fighter. But the only thing that separates me from them is balls. They have better, better technique, but I have bigger balls. When they come to fight, I will beat them. I don't care how good their striking is. My willpower will overcome. Every good technique that they have, and I'll beat them. I just believe that there is nobody that can stand and bang with me. That's my belief, and I'm holding to it very strongly. Wow, man, that's a that's an incredibly honest answer for you to even say. Like, yeah, sure, they might have better technique, but 
But nobody's walking around with a pair of cojones like you, my friend. No. They, if, they, if they come to fight me, we will see after what happens to those flashy and beautiful techniques after the first round. And, you know, you, you've branded yourself as, as the hardest pound-for-pound puncher in the game, or at 170, rather. Uh, the 13 knockouts on your record speak for themselves. That's a testament to that. What what makes you so confident in your power? Uh, Greg Jackson. When Greg Jackson says that I'm the hardest hitter he has ever worked with, I believe it. And when he says that, and I and I, and I have proved that I was uh, light heavyweight, I knocked people out. I was middleweight, I was knocking people out. I was light, uh, now I'm welterweight, I'm knocking people out. And it's not TKOs. When I hit people, they they fall. They like when I when I when I graze them, then I then I have to finish it. But when I when I connect, like. Right, like I said, man, that that fight I saw with Paulo Tiago, that was a clean shot, and he dropped like a dead body. So, you know, I uh, I trained with Greg Jackson, and and all this time we have been working on everything, my flaws, my strengths, my weaknesses. We have been working on everything. We have we have developed a complete and and very all around game, and I'm just too excited to showcase it. And these people need to give me a chance to showcase all those. Absolutely, absolutely. I'm, I'm too excited for, for, for my next fight. You just have to give me a good name, big fight, and I will not disappoint. I'll, 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 I'll electrify the arena, I guarantee. And I got to tell you, man, for, for a guy to Greg Jackson, like Greg Jackson, to say that you're the hardest puncher he's ever worked with, considering all the giant, incredible heavyweights that he's worked with, I mean, Alistair Overeem alone, widely considered one of the best strikers in the game. Right. So all these fighters that Greg Jackson has worked with, he said, you hit by far the hardest. And that's why I, I made that shirt that says the pound for pound uh, hardest test in the that's, that's Greg Jackson's quote. Right, and 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 talk and what else? <laughs> There's no no better way to build your confidence than than to hear that from a guy like Greg. Exactly. Like it's not like, uh, but also Coach Coach Winklejohn. Coach Winklejohn. Every time I hit miss with him, he says, "God." So right, right. So realistically, I mean, how soon would you like to have a contract signed? Are we talking, you know, tomorrow? It sounds to me like over the past six months, you would have had like to have had one, you know, right after the fight in April. I'm sorry. I didn't get the question. Oh no, I was just saying, you know, uh, realistically, how soon would you would you like to get a contract signed for your next fight? It sounds to me like. Over this past six months, you would have t- you would have fought maybe two three times by now. Especially after that, especially after that um, that knockout that I had. Uh, if you watch my fight, Jason, when I fought in Holland in 2017, that middleweight, I had the guy in Dorse choke. Okay, I had him in Dorse choke, but as I had him in Dorse choke in the side weight, I said, "This is not the way I want to win. I don't want to keep the business. I let him go and stand back up." Right. <laughs> Knock out. My other guy that I fought in Holland, 
So you're you're looking to make it a third one before the end of the year. Exactly. <laughs> so let's do a handshake. Let's do another uh, double knockout, and everybody will be happy. So are, it's are, it sounds to me like over the over the past six months, you've been in the type of shape that you could have taken a short notice fight if somebody got injured. Four weeks. That's all I need. Four weeks. All right. So like say uh, Magni or Ponzinibbio, if somebody was to pull out of that fight. I know that's only a few weeks away, but you'd be willing to step in there? Uh, when is that fight? Uh, second week in November, I think, if I'm not mistaken. Second week of November, second week of November. I think I'll be ready for that fight, yeah. I have four weeks. Yeah, four weeks. I have four weeks, I'll be fine. Uh, four weeks, is that strictly just for the weight cut or, or a little bit of preparation as well? So what would you say to all the welterweights in the top 15 that, that, that aren't taking the flights with you, or any welterweight for that matter, what would you say to them to encourage them to take a flight against you? So that's the timetable for you? You feel like in a year's time you'll be at the top of the division? I think in a year's time, if somebody steps up and fights me, like two, three more fights, I'll be on the top of the division, yes. All right. And in conclusion, man, what would you say to all your fans out there that have been looking forward to your return, that have been supporting you all along the way? What can everybody expect when you finally get back in there? Absolutely, man. Listen, I'm certainly looking forward to your return. Greatly appreciate the time today, CR. It's been a pleasure speaking with you. I hope we can catch up again. One, once a fight finally gets announced for you, um, I, I really hope that something gets signed soon. Uh, like As you've been saying all along, and anybody that's actually followed your career, you certainly are a fan favorite. You go out there, put it all on the line, and have some very uh, exciting battles out there in the cage. Uh, but before we let you go, man, the floor is yours. Anything you think we missed? Any shout-outs or sponsor plugs? You go right ahead, man. I want to give a shout-out to BJ Penn. He's always been a warrior. He's always been my favorite. And that's the double cap POG. And thank you for having me on the show. And uh, thank all the fans for supporting me. Thank, thank the UFC for giving me the opportunity to be in this beautiful sport and in the top of the world uh, in the highest league. So I'm just waiting for the UFC to give me a fight and uh, so I can make them proud and make them actually excite the fans, man. I, I'm, I'm 
All right, man. Uh, first off, you know, th- th- thanks for the shout out to BJ. I'll, I'll let him know that you were speaking highly of him. And uh, listen, man, anytime you want to get on the show or anytime you have something you want to get off your chest, please, please feel free to reach out. There's always a spot for you on BJPen.com radio. Uh, thanks again, my friend. We'll chat again soon. And I hope you have a great weekend, brother. Thank you very much, Jason. You as well. Thank you. All right, buddy. There's another guy incredibly confident. And if you've seen any of his fights, you know that that KO power really is something to behold. He wasn't giving himself a ton of credit there. But for me, a guy that comes out of the Golden Glory gym in Holland, while that gym may no longer exist, the level of training that was going on in those doors, in that facility, in its prime, unrivaled in all of combat sports in regards to striking. So that being said, I do personally believe that CR does have great technique and hopefully he can get himself a top 15 guy before the end of the year and we can see him return to greatness on his quest for the title. Now again, I'm going to have to preface this next conversation, this next interview with another disclaimer. I did this interview with Brandon Vera on the fly. I was not in front of my computer. So this is all recorded on a Tascam DR40. For those of you who do not know what that means, just know that my voice won't be as rich and velvety, if you will. (laughs) I'm just kidding. But anyway, this interview was done on the fly, but it really is a great conversation. I can't thank Brandon enough for taking the time to join us. And while I think the fans and the media, obviously, we're looking for the hottest quotes, the biggest quotes, this might not be full of a ton of that, but for me, this conversation was really about the old guard and getting this sport back to what it once was. So I hope you guys enjoy it. It's going to be closing out the show. BJPenn.com Radio, the fighter's voice. Coming up next, Brandon the Truth Vera. All right, Penn Nation, please welcome to the show longtime MMA veteran and the current heavyweight title holder for one championship, master of the art of eight limbs, and recently turned into a movie star, Brandon the Truth Vera. Thanks for taking the time to speak with us today, Brandon. How you doing, man? I'm good, brother. Thank you for having me on the show. I really appreciate it. Thank you, guys. Our pleasure. Our <laughs> pleasure. Now, based on your social media, it seems like uh, you're always traveling, man. Where are you calling us from today? Are you stateside now? I am actually on the mainland. I'm in San Diego. Uh, I'm headed to Chula Vista, getting ready for practice tomorrow at Alliance Training Center. Awesome. So, awesome. yeah, we travel a lot. right now you mentioned alliance there you've been a staple of that team for for many years you're honestly one of the ogs coming out of that gym Uh, it sounds to me like you're still down there putting in work on a on a regular basis um yes i've been getting ready for every camp uh every title defense that we have at alliance in san diego i didn't plan on doing it this camp i was going to be flying people out but between the weather and partners having injuries, I had to uh, come back to San Diego and, and get it in once again. <laughs> very good, very good. Now, you're the current one championship heavyweight king, uh, but we haven't seen you in action for quite some time now. H- has that been by choice, or has there just been a lack of opponents for you? It's uh, It's been my calculated choice. And I say calculated choice because I asked permission before I went away for so long from everyone so that I could uh, I could shoot a movie in the Philippines. <laughs> right, and that was, uh, um, I'm drawing a blank on the on the name of that film, but I saw it getting promoted everywhere. 
It was called By Bus. It was a huge action film from the Philippines, um, shown all over the world. It was it was a really really good project. You know, if even if I had to do it all over again, I would. The time versus sacrifice. Yeah, it it was definitely worth it. An awesome experience. Now, what would you say? Do you feel like you're a natural for something like that? Is that something we could see you doing uh, again in the future? Or? Uh, definitely. I, I can definitely see myself doing more roles, playing more parts. I, I enjoyed it. It's just like martial arts. Exactly like martial arts. It takes a lot of discipline, a lot of, pla- a lot of practice, and a lot of reps. A lot of reps. <laughs> right. Right, I know. I can only imagine. I, I've I've done a little bit of uh, independent film work myself, and uh, I tell you what, on some of those film sets, it is long, grueling days, many hours, and and like you said, a whole lot of work involved. So I don't think people really uh, recognize or respect the amount of work that that goes into making a full length feature. Um, no, I I have a whole new I have a whole newfound respect for actors, entertainers, and actresses. Oh my God, man! <laughs> <laughs> right. Now, getting back to, to your mixed martial arts career, do you have anything in the works in regards to your return to action? You know, I, uh, I do have something coming up. I am training for the next title defense. I don't know uh, if I'm allowed to say when, because I, I don't know who exactly yet. I'm waiting for them to sign the bout agreement. All right, now, can you... Let's see, uh, obviously I don't want you to spill the beans and get in trouble with the, with the promotion, but is it going to be this year or maybe early next year? It will It will be this year. <laughs> I like this game. We can play this game. <laughs> <laughs> It'll be this year. Okay, cool, cool. Very good, man. Well, uh, I've personally been very impressed with one championship for, for several reasons. Obviously the incredible job that they're doing uh, in the Asian markets, quality of talent that they keep acquiring, incredible fighters and the events that they put together but most of all for me man it's the it's the primary focus for the company bringing back the purity to martial arts and you know all the athletes i speak to under contract are very happy with their pay how they're treated promoted uh and the push to bring back real martial arts competition unlike what we've seen everywhere else in recent years i'm just wondering if you could give us your thoughts on on what one brings to the table and why you're so proud to be a part of that Honestly, man, if I could sum it up in one word, the word respect. That word alone, they give the fighters the respect that they deserve as modern-day samurai, as modern-day as modern day elite athletes, as modern-day gladiators. They treat them for the, for the performance that they want to see. And... That's the only way I can explain it is the amount of respect that they give to each and every single one of the athletes. The attention to detail that they do for you and how well prepared they are for you so that you can just go do your job and perform to your best that evening. They make everything so easy for the athletes. It's, it's, it's very, very impressive. And what I'm, what I'm enjoying even more is, you know, because I'm with the company... I, you know, I, I'm biased, but seeing other people coming in and from other promotions, even as coaches or cornermen, oh, I, I seeing lost, each, I lost like, you there oh for a second. Oh my God, Brandon, you, you made the right decision. 
<laughs> nope. I, I lost so you then the again. The proof is in the pudding. You can just see it. If you just... I'm sorry. No, 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 it's all right. I lost you there, like, right where you were saying, uh, you know, fighters coming in and cornermen as well. Ian, it's uh, fighter com fighters coming in from other organizations, cornermen, cut men, seconds. Everybody that's coming in and seeing one championship in action firsthand at the events or how the fighters, athletes, and, and everyone's treated this is how it should have been since day one. Right. And one championship is setting the bar for that. And honestly, I would, I'll tell you like this, like 95% of modern day athletes, warriors, mixed martial artists, martial artists just want to be treated with the amount of respect that one is giving and they will give you their all. And it's showing in all of the performances at all of the events. <laughs> No, you're absolutely correct. That That's how I was going to follow up with that. I mean, clearly the performances and the willingness of every athlete to go out there and give it their all, lay it on the line, that clearly lends itself to how they're being treated and how they feel about job security as well. They're not worried about getting cut. They're just going out there to have a great performance and do their best. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. It's And it seems like because we've been taught or the Western, the Western style of business for martial arts is the exact opposite, you know, like, oh, we'll pay you big bonuses, oh, you better do this, or we'll cut you, you better do this, but it, it's not like that, right. <laughs> and everybody's going out there and going super hard. Now, you've been at the top of the game for many years, you fought some of the biggest names in the sport, you've always remained outspoken and kept it real when it comes to this game, uh, that being said, you know, it, it seems like when you left the UFC, you had a bad taste in your mouth. Is that accurate? Is that what? I'm sorry? It, it, it seems to me like when you left the UFC, you had a bad taste in your mouth. I'm wondering if that's accurate. Yes, sir. Super accurate. <laughs> very, very accurate, you know. And the same word that I use to describe one championship is the exact same word that I used when I told Dana White the reason why I was leaving the company, they had no respect for any of their athletes. The way they spoke to them, the way they treated them, the way they talked to them, or the way they they looked at them. Right. And uh, everybody told me I was crazy when I first left, but now everyone's again, Vera, man, you you were you were right, bro. You were on point. You, you knew what you were saying. You know what you were doing. Yeah, it's the lack of respect. Not, not to mention, I'm sure this doesn't help help their case at all, but so many of the guys you fought have, have popped for PEDs in recent years. So many. <laughs> <laughs> so many. Everybody's like, Brandon, you have a lot of losses on your record. I was like, yeah, how many guys were on PEDs? Right. Like, how many? <laughs> how many? And then if they didn't pop positive when they were fighting me, they popped positive either before or after. Right, I love, it. I love it. You know, it's it's part of the gig, man. I accept it now. I, I get it. It's part of it. But hey, man, I never said no to the fights, and I would never ever turn fights down. I fought legends. I would love to do it again. I would love to have, make that happen again. Yeah, but but like you said, man, that you know, there's obviously plenty of criticism towards the UFC and how they're doing business. You know, the antitrust yeah. lawsuits that are filed. 
the calls for a fighters union, the unfair treatment of favoritism towards uh, certain athletes. What needs to change, in your opinion, man? Is the union an answer? Is the Ali Act covering MMA? What would the truth like to see happen? You know, the Ali Act is covering MMA, and uh, it's covering mixed martial arts, and that's what it's for. The Muhammad Ali Expansion Act for mixed martial arts. That's what it does. But what everybody wants to say is uh, that it doesn't, so vote against it. And then, uh, and then on the union side... Uh, I wouldn't say we needed a union as far as I think we need an association. And there's a huge difference between those two words and a huge difference in the formation of bodies and all of that stuff. So unions for sure is a bad thing for us, I think. An association would be way better if, to fit our needs. Yeah, right controlled, by, controlled by the athletes for the athletes. Exactly. Yeah, I've, I've heard I've heard comparisons between unions and, and the kind of troubles that that could bring along. But a fighter association, some form of collective bargaining, is the answer, in your opinion? Yes, sir. I do agree with that. Yes, sir. That that statement is one hundred percent correct. Now, it's uh, just a, a slippery slope because I've seen it. You know, as as soon as something could happen or someone could get to a position of power, man, all the hands come out. And everybody wants something that's not even there yet. So. I, I see and understand why this is going to take a while and why this is going to take a long time to uh, to put in place. Well, I know just just from talking to all of you athletes, I certainly hope that it's sooner rather than later. But uh, yes, sir, <laughs> clearly a lot of hurdles to jump through. All that considered, though, we've seen some big names move on from the company. Guys like yourself, Gegard Mousasi, and now we're hearing that Eddie Alvarez might be headed to one championship. That would not only be a huge addition uh, to the roster over there, but it would be a big statement as well, right? Huge statement. One championship's here to stay. Everybody thought I was a fly-by-night company, and everybody thinks for some reason that uh, one championship's numbers are inflated, you know? But it's not. Everybody has to understand Asia is probably two-thirds of the world. Right. That's where everyone's at watching. That's where martial arts originated. That's where... The first time you saw somebody kick somebody, I guarantee you he had almond eyes and was from that part of the world, Asia. Right, right. no, that's very <laughs> so true. It's uh, it's not a hard thing to sell in the Asian market. Hey, we have martial artists who want to compete for you. Will you guys watch? Everyone in Asia is saying yes. <laughs> right. So it's, I think now it's starting to crack the barriers, it's starting to happen where people are starting to understand oh man this this thing happening in asia is real this is what really should this is how the sport should be along with the respect with the fans with uh with the compensation with the programs that help the communities and help the uh the children or people in need in the areas that we are competing or visiting. It's man, the whole view on the company is different. So I'm, I'm telling you, I don't know if, if one championship did sign Eddie Alvarez. I'm, I'm a troll in a cave during camp right now, but um, I read somewhere that uh, Mr. Chatri was going to be doing announcement. I saw all those rumors. So, you know, mixed martial arts rumors, martial arts rumors have been 
pretty accurate as of the last three years. So right. I, I don't know, and we'll see. Yeah, where, <laughs> but there, that where there's be... smoke, there's fire. Exactly. <laughs> so that, I'm, I'm excited to see, you know, that's a big, big deal. It's making a statement to everyone in the world, all organizations across the board, you know, hey, when championships are not, not playing around, they have the financial backing, the muscle, and the viewership here to stay and probably taking over the world. So I'm, I'm glad to be part of that for sure. I'll tell you what, man, anybody that's doubting the numbers or the, the success of the company, all you have to do is take a look at the unprecedented network deals and distribution deals that they've landed. Nothing like we've seen here in the West. Uh, but but as a guy that, that's seen it all, played the game for many years, what would your advice be to free agents that are considering a move over to one? Like, you have, like, look at the numbers. Just look at the numbers. Decide what you would be happy with and see if one championship and you fit together. You have to ask. You have to try. You have to look. Potential, yeah. it's what, 1.7 billion viewers a week, potential viewers a week? Billion, that's with a B, right. you know? And then it's it's hard for people to swallow. Man, how many people in China alone? I think there's 3 billion people in just China. <laughs> right. Man, it's, it's just look at the numbers, talk to somebody from one championship, reach out, send an email, find out if you are a free agent, find out if you qualify to be fighting for one championship. Find out if there's a place and a home for you and see if one championship can do anything with you. Now, ch- changing gears here for a moment, uh, as you were just talking about community outreach, I see that you've been uh, really giving back and getting in touch with your Filipino roots, obviously fighting for the biggest promotion in Asia. That, that That's uh, played a big part there. Uh, but you've also been doing some humanitarian work giving back to the Filipino community. What has that been like for you, man? It must be very humbling, I'd imagine. You know, here in uh, in the U.S., brother, we're spoiled. Holy-ish. In any mainland that the U- or any territory that the U.S. has touched, we're spoiled. We take things for granted that you would never imagine you take for granted. Things like running water, you know? Right. Flushing a toilet. Just, man, I, I, can't, I can't even begin to list the things that I take for granted that we as a people every day so coming back to the Philippines and having one championship having one championship be able to connect me is that me or you so speak no yeah that's you can you hear me yep yep Uh-oh. hey brother was that me or you I'm sorry uh I don't think it was me but no worries no big deal my phone just started beeping. I was like, what the hell's going on? <laughs> yeah, I figured you were blowing up there. So, so. Sorry. No problem. So, uh, one championship, giving back. You want me to start over giving back? No, no, no. You can pick up right from there. That's fine. Um, Just the fact that one championship uh, gives us avenues that we can give back. It helps even that much more. And it, uh, the fact that I get to see the poorest of poor and help them smile and actually help them help them look for a future later on. And that's, uh, that's a big, big deal for me. It's, it's, if I can only help one out of a hundred, at least that's one that I got to help, you know, maybe I get to bump into him or her later on in life and they didn't have to 
to follow the path that was decided for them long ago. You know, it's it's a big deal, man. And I don't just do it with one. I actually get to do it in the provinces with my cousins and with my friends who help me reach out to uh, people that you would never hear about or, or causes that you would never pick up online or see on GoFundMe. It's, right. it's very humbling, brother. Very, very humbling. And I do appreciate doing it. It makes me appreciate life more. Of course, of course. And like you're saying, man, I, I can only commend you for for going out and doing that kind of work. Because like you said, man, all you got to do is touch one life, change one life, and you've made the world a difference. So um, yeah, I, I agree with you 100% there. And then on top of that, you know, one, having that kind of community outreach, that only lends itself to, to building that fan base. People see that kind of stuff, and it really hits home for them. They really do. And, they, you know, my favorite part about this is it's not fake. They don't make fighters go do this stuff. Right. They have all fighters go out and do this outreach program, you know, like once or twice in that area. And then the fighters that really gravitate towards it or love doing it, that's who they pick and ask them, hey, do you want to do this stuff for us? It's a win-win situation. Like, you, nobody's making anybody do anything. They're asking you to help if you already are into this stuff. And, I, man, I would say 95 98.99% of the of the athletes at one championship are exactly like that, especially when it's in their hometown, you know? Yeah, no, I, everybody I've talked to, I mean, Angela, Angela Lee, I mean, they're they're all very, very happy to do that kind of stuff. And, I mean, in particular with Angla, he's become such a superstar. It's like, you know, through all that stuff, he can't even walk down the street there. No, that guy, yeah, that guy's a super, he's, a, he's not a superstar anymore. He's a megastar. Right. He's beyond super. <laughs> right, right. Now, you've recently talked about possibly getting involved in politics as well. You know, in the United States, that's a very ugly business to be in. But in other countries like your, your native Philippines, uh, there's a real chance for you to create some substantive change for people for the better. Has there been any developments there? Could we maybe see you make the jump into politics in the near future? Or is that just a hypothetical thing for you? You know, uh... I wouldn't say it's so much hypothetical. It's just something I'm keeping my eye on. If if the stars align and an opportunity arises where I actually get a chance to become senator and I actually get to help people and make a change, then, then I will run. It's not a hypothetical thing. It's just something that's, I guess, in the long-distance future plan. Right. It's uh, it's not something I have to jump on. There's so much going on with uh, with our championship still. Uh, we're still defending our championship actively. We still have um, more movie projects and acting projects, entertainment things going on. I'm learning more about the landscape and and the culture, the little nuances of uh of the culture that I didn't know. So, right. and I'm learning about the political the political landmine field. <laughs> right. That's a good way to put it. Right. Minefield. Yeah. The landmine field. So I'm, I'm learning. I'm just learning and I'm enjoying learning and I'm learning where you can help, where you can't help, where lost causes are. So I'm, I'm still learning a lot, but I, that is on my, uh, my radar and in my future plans. So I would say, yes, sir. Very good. Very good. All right, listen, Brandon, you've been more than generous with your time. I just have a couple more questions here for you. Are, are you good on time? You got you got a couple more minutes? Yeah. Right, no, cool. I'm good. Yes, sir. All right, very good. 
getting back to your career as a martial artist, uh, you know, you've been in business a long time, as we discussed earlier. What's left for you to accomplish in combat sports? You know, what goals do you have left as an athlete? You know, everybody's been asking that, and uh, one of my most favorite dreams would to be unify all the belts and fight champ versus champ in each organization. That'd be that, tremendous. I mean, come on, that's that would be. I don't even know. I don't even have a word or phrase to describe that. but that would be my number one goal but honestly everybody's asking what what do you want to do left what else do you want to do for me i need to get better every single day i need to hold our title every day every event every match that i have i need to make sure that i hold the title again and that needs to continue until I decide one day that I am not going to do this anymore, that I'm not going to be competing in martial arts anymore, that I want to be in some other part, some other aspect of the game. But I don't know when that's going to happen yet either. You know, I I ask people that have retired, my, I would I want to say my forefathers, my four brothers before me, ask them when you retire. And they all say you'll just know. You'll you'll know when you don't want to get punched in the face anymore or you're sore. Right. And tell everybody, man, that's me every day though. Like I don't ever <laughs> want to get punched in the face and I'm always sore. So when do you know? <laughs> so honestly, I I wish I had an answer, but I don't. I can tell you what my plan is, and then we'll just see where it goes from there. Right. Well, I'll tell you what, man. That it's a lofty goal to to try to unify all the titles, but man, I really do hope that that we come to a day where we can have co-promotion, we can find out who really is the best in the world, and I think it would be a beautiful time for all the athletes involved. You guys are finally be making the type of money that you deserve and, and have the opportunities oh God, yeah. in place for everyone that, that, that should have been there a long time ago. Yes, sir. Then we would be doing the $30 million each fight. You know, then then those days would be here. So, right. see, we'll see. Hopefully, hopefully. And by the way, <laughs> with, with, with my last question, I'm not suggesting that you're anywhere near the road, uh, at, near the end of the road competing, but, you know, when that day does eventually come, what do you want your legacy to be about? What, what do you want people to look back and say about your time in the sport when you finally do ride off into the sunset? You know that Brandon Vera, the truth, did it his way, and exactly his way, and he didn't compromise. From start to finish. <laughs> that's a good answer. Yeah, that's 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 what I want. And everybody's going to laugh and be like, yeah, that's me. That's him. That's him. <laughs> right? That That's Frank Sinatra style, man. I did it my way. Doesn't get Frank Sinatra. <laughs> right. Now, Nobody. And, and as far as the immediate future goes, uh, ideally you'd like to be back in a competition before the end of the year. Uh, what can all the fans expect when you finally do get back in there? Man, you know, uh, all my fans, you know how I fight. I don't go to go five rounds. I don't go to eke out a decision. I'm either going out on my shield or I'm carrying my shield back with me. Don't blink. Don't go to the bathroom. When the referee says go, it's on. <laughs> stay watching I'm gonna be in shape I promise you I'll be in shape and uh 
I'm very excited, very much looking forward to this next event. Awesome. This next title defense. Thank you very much, brother. Listen, Brandon, I I followed your career for over a decade. I greatly appreciate the time today. Been an absolute pleasure to speak with you, man. Uh, In conclusion, man, the floor is yours. Any message you have to all the supporters out there, anything you think we missed, or any shout-outs or sponsor plugs, all you, brother. Uh, I just want to say thank you to everyone who's always had my back since day one. Uh, My wife, my ninja, my family, the Vera clan, um, my family at Alliance, all the boys, all the girls. I don't want to get jumped by the women when I get back to Alliance, (laughs) too. Um, Everyone's path, everyone's uh, ups and downs that I've seen, that I've been part of, um, that have helped me through it. And thank you guys for everything. Uh, MMA is a hard, hard career choice. I think Wall Street or politics would have been easier. If you choose this path, understand that you will be broke. You will be heartbroken. Your body will be broken. But if your soul can stay intact, you can make it in this business. Love you guys. This is the truth. I'm out. All right. Thank you, bud. We're looking forward to the return and all your continued success inside and out of competition. I hope we can catch up again in the future. Thanks again for the time, and you have a fantastic day, man. You too, brother. Sorry for missing time earlier. <laughs> no, don't worry about it, man. I understand. Half the time with time zones, trying to work that shit out, it's no big deal, brother. I appreciate it. <laughs> Bye-bye. Have a good day. Thank you. You too, man. Later.